Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And as always, I am joined on this wonderful Waiver Wire Tuesday by PFF's lead fantasy analyst, the great Nathan Yonke. Nate, what's up, man? Good morning. We had another uh, Monday night football game where we had two games at the same time. So I got to test my ability to chart two games at the same time. So that's always fun. Maybe one of these weeks we can have a normal NFL week again after week one. But we just had these two weeks with two Monday night football games. Now we have three straight weeks where we have the 9.30 a.m. Eastern game. So maybe by the end of October or sometime in November, we'll have a normal NFL week again. But we'll get there. Yeah, you would hope so, right? It would be nice. I, I almost called it a, a, a double header as well, but it, it's not a double header. It's not. You can't watch back to back games. You have to flip back and forth. It's it's insane that the way they've set it up. I, I hopefully mm-hmm. this is. I think this is the last week of that. Uh, I would imagine. Yeah. I'm just looking at the schedule. Yeah, we got the London game starting next week, but other than that, it should be fairly normal. So, <laughs> um, yeah, we we may as well start by by doing a quick recap of those games as well. We did our, our takeaways uh, yesterday, but you wrote up the recaps for pff.com so we can we can start talking about these games a little bit here um tampa bay philly we'll start there eagles take it 25 10 we finally got the big aj brown game goes nine for 131 no touchdowns um but other than that any major takeaways from this eagles bucks game that you want to talk about um by far the biggest fantasy football relevant thing of the night was the eagles backfield uh, since we saw Kenneth Gainwell as the clear starter in week one, then he was injured for week two, and DeAndre Swift had a huge game. So we finally got to see what things will look like with the two of them together. Um, so Swift uh, played the first quarter, played the first three drives, all but one snap. So things were looking very good for uh, Swift fantasy managers. And then Gainwell uh, came in and took over for the next three drives. So it was pretty much a rotation by quarter between these two running backs with Swift taking the first quarter and the third quarter, Gainwell taking the second quarter and the fourth quarter. So uh, we definitely saw Swift uh, outperform Gainwell, had a ton of huge runs. Um, The numbers are probably kind of deceptively big because Gainwell was playing a lot in the fourth quarter while they were maintaining the lead, and it was obvious they were running with the ball. So uh, defenses were ready to stop the run at those points. But Swift still definitely looked better. I wouldn't be surprised if we see this kind of thing continue throughout the season just because of Swift's injury concerns throughout his career, and they do still like Gainwell to some extent. So um, at least for the immediate future, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this continue. It's worth mentioning Boston Scott was also inactive due to injury. It wouldn't have been surprising to see Scott see at least a couple snaps here or there had he been healthy for this game. But um, at this point, I'm probably comfortable keeping Swift in my starting lineups most weeks, depending on the matchup a little bit. Uh, Gainwell should at least remain on fantasy rosters just because of Swift's injury history. The fact that if Swift all of a sudden starts stops playing as well, then Gainwell might start seeing more playing time. And then uh, Rashad Penny, who was inactive one week, active for this game, inactive last week, but really not seeing any offensive playing time. Like he still has that potential, so I can completely understand holding on to him if you're in some of these uh, leagues that are bigger with some deeper benches. Definitely can understand holding on to him, but in some of these lighter leagues where there's a ton of guys that we're talking about today with the waiver wire, uh, that you could pick up one of these guys that we're talking about, I'd probably pick them up over Penny. 
Yeah, for sure. It it has not been the the start of the year that we thought for Penny, but it is nice to see DeAndre Swift looking good out there. And like you said, the the rotation can be kind of frustrating, especially if it continues and maybe Swift isn't having those big, huge runs. But I know Sirianni was talking about like riding the hot hand um, a little bit coming into this week with both of them. It wasn't really the case um, (laughs) considering the rotation and how good Swift looked and uh, Gainwell not being as effective. But here we are. Um, We have to kind of know how to navigate the coach speak. And, and that was seems like another one there. But anything on the Tampa Bay side uh, of things that was worth talking about? Um, only real thing to note is that Trey Palmer, um, he had been kind of splitting that time as the third wide receiver. He uh, more or less took that over in this game. He was seeing just as many snaps in 11 personnel as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin were. So um, if you are able to see the article, um, the, his Graph is going straight up in terms of his playing time week after week. Um, the weird thing is that Tompkins saw more targets in this game despite having a reduced role compared to what he typically sees. So um, probably not picking up Palmer in any of my leagues at this point, but mostly noting it just in case we do see an injury at some point this season to Mike Evans or Chris Godwin that I'd expect Trey Palmer to see a pretty significant role in the offense if one of those two things were to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it matters for sure, right? Like, I mean, only the one target in this game, I think he had eight yards or something like that. But there might be better weeks when they're not playing the Eagles defense as well. And, and you know, that Tampa Bay offense has looked decent so far this year. I know it was a little bit of a struggle last night, but there could potentially be some usage there. And especially if there's an injury, like you said. Um, how about the the other Monday night football game? The, the Cincinnati Bengals squeak out a win against the Los Angeles Rams where we got our first big Jamar Chase blow-up game of the year. He goes for 141 on 12 receptions doing his best Puka Nakua impression. Um, so, Nate, what did the Bengals and Rams give us to talk about in this game? Honestly, not all that much. The Bengals and the Rams are probably the two uh, worst teams for these articles because they do the exact same things each week. They are the two teams that have used 11 personnel on over 80% of their snaps over the past two seasons combined. So there really isn't that much difference in their personnel usage. There's a clear top three wide receivers on each team, typically a clear top tight end on each team, and typically a clear top running back on each team. So not all that much most of the time. There were a couple just more so interesting nuggets in this one. Uh, Irv Smith was out of this game with an injury. So Drew Sample, uh, Mitchell Wilcox, and Tanner Hudson all saw playing time. So um, if Irv Smith wasn't being that fantasy relevant before this game, having a three-man rotation at tight end definitely isn't going to be any more fantasy relevant. Um, We saw Wilcox and Sample play most of the two tight end sets. Hudson was the primary receiving tight end. Um, I think probably the most interesting point is they were using O2 personnel and O1 personnel um, at times on third down. So that's no running back on the field and either one or two tight ends. And that was with uh, Drew Sample playing basically as a run or pass blocking running back. So they not a very common thing to see a tight end lineup in the backfield for pass protection purposes, but with Aaron Donald, On the Rams defense, it's not all that surprising. Um, The Bengals did a similar thing in week two of last season against the Cowboys with uh, Michael Parsons. So it seems like we have a pretty clear tell of which pass rushers in the league that the Bengals respect the most. And that also means uh, less playing time for Travion Williams at running back. But uh, outside of that, Rams, uh, it was nice to see Kyron Williams play 100% of offensive snaps again. 
it seemed like he was on pace for that last week. It was just the Rams ran 80 plays, so he played 76 out of 80 plays, so can't complain that they gave him a rest for four plays in that game. But as long as the Rams aren't adding another running back to this backfield, Williams is a must-start player each week. Yeah, that that that's huge to see, especially um, you know, as we get better matchups week to week, and he'll he'll have bigger games as well. I think he had like seven targets in this game. I'm, I'm yeah. looking at yeah, seven targets, only the two catches for 27 yards. But um, nice to see him uh, heavily involved there again this week. But yeah, that that's the Monday night games. I mean, we're ready to dig into the the waiver wire targets here. See if we could find some gold this week. Um, obviously, injuries will never get turned off, unfortunately. So obviously, we got some next guys up in that regard, but also some emerging roles of interest that maybe create some fantasy opportunity. Um, I'm definitely excited to get into it. Hopefully, help the good listeners find some reinforcements for those fantasy squads. Uh, but before we get into it, I do want to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Nate, what do you say we kick things off where we always do with the all-important quarterback position? We got some repeat names on here who are still below 50% roster ship, but we also have a couple of new names worth talking about. So I'll run through the list here and shout out their roster ship percentages over on ESPN as well. Uh, beginning with a player we've talked about each week so far, Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers still at 47.4%. We also have uh, CJ Stroud at 10.8% roster ship. Kenny Pickett, 26.1%, uh, and Gardner Minshew at the, of the Indianapolis Colts at 1.6%. So uh, who do you want to focus on here, Nate? Um, we can start with Love, even though it's a lot of what we've talked about the past couple weeks. It has been nice to see a number of players that we were talking about last week are over 50% this week. So a lot of the guys that were the best available before are no longer, including guys like Brock Purdy. So Love moves his way to the top of this list. He had a okay game, 22 completions on 44 attempts, 259 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Another game where his fantasy numbers were probably a little bit better than his real life numbers, but um, it was good to see him continue to at least score and at least get over 250 yards. And he did that without his running back, without his top wide receiver, without his left tackle, without his left guard, arguably the four uh, best players on the offense. He was without all of four of those players. So um, again, I'm excited to see what Love can do once all of those players are healthy. We very well might not see that this week because they play on Thursday night football. So we might see a lot of those guys out again, but this is more just a long-term play of, I expect Love to get better as the season goes on. And especially once uh, he has better players around him, that should also help his offense perform better. So Love is probably the best person on this list in terms of his potential long-term production. 
Yeah, it's been nice to see. Uh, I know the passing grade hasn't cracked 65 yet the, the, this year, but it looks like it'll be another top 10 QB finish in, in most scoring fa- formats um, this week, thanks to the passing and, and rushing touchdown. And like you said, noteworthy that he's doing it without Christian Watson, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, those guys. So um, still some maybe kinks to work out in his game. I think he had two turnover-worthy plays this week. Um, but again, like you said, long-term, I, I think things are looking good for Jordan Love as a potential uh, fantasy quarterback. Um, how about CJ Stroud? He's, he's been someone we've talked about uh, quite a bit as well, but still just under 11% roster ship, um, in ESPN leagues, you, you still feel pretty good about adding CJ Stroud to rosters this week. I think so. Yeah. I've had my rest of season rankings go up this morning and I moved him up pretty significantly there. Um, a lot of people are talking about he's off to this historic start for quarterbacks, and you need to put that in some kind of historical perspective of passing stats have gotten better over time. But still, uh, a big part of that is Stroud has dropped back to pass 140 times, which is second most among quarterbacks. So a lot of his stats so far have been a little bit more volume stats than a great efficiency. But still, if you compare him uh, more so against some of the other quarterbacks we've seen over the past five, 10 years in terms of their first three weeks, Stroud is playing better than a lot of those other quarterbacks. So um, I think Stroud is definitely off to a great start to his career. I think it's probably too early to start considering him a top 10 fantasy quarterback week in and week out just because at Houston as a team is going to start playing this well. They're not going to be getting blown out of games and not having nearly as many Uh, passing attempts because they'll be able to run the ball more often but I think he's definitely someone that needs to be on fantasy rosters because he could continue to have some of these games where he's just dropping that back to pass a ton and then that's enough to get him plenty of volume and he's had the couple of good young wide receivers that he's been throwing to that have been playing very well so far this season too so as long as Stroud keeps growing with those wide receivers uh, he's probably someone we'll be talking about not just this year, but for several years as a fantasy starter. Yeah, and and coming off the best um, game of his career with an eighty point five passing grade as well, which will probably be a top ten mark, potentially top five, depending on last night's games. But while they come in um, before they're reviewed, but. He did that, again, with, with without one of the best offensive tackles in the league. There was no Laramie Tunsil, um, but, but, or, yeah. But again, we'll, we'll probably touch on it again here today. But that wide receiver core for Houston, super intriguing as well. Year three, Nico Collins, rookie Tank Dell, veteran Robert Woods. And, and we'll see if John Mechie, a second rounder last year, becomes anything. But there's options for Stroud to get the ball uh, to to those guys as he continues to be among you know the league leaders and dropbacks like you said 140 on the year second behind only Kirk Cousins so that type of volume has created nice uh, fantasy opportunity and that's why he's been around that top 10 of fantasy quarterbacks through the first three weeks as well um, any of these other QBs that you mentioned Kenny Pickett Gardner Minshew that you'd want to focus on um, I'll at least briefly mention Minshew, uh, obviously only here if Anthony Richardson ends up missing another week. Um, hopefully Richardson is back this week and then, uh, Minshew isn't an option, but Minshew, I thought played pretty well, uh, last week. And I think, uh, with the upcoming matchup against the Los Angeles Rams, we saw them, uh, get Jamar Chase played very well against them last night. I, the Rams defense in general. They were allowing a decent amount of passing yards the first two weeks as well. So I think if you're looking for a streamer quarterback in particular, uh, Minshew is probably the best streamer option uh, for the players that are widely available in leagues. And that's just assuming that Anthony Richardson ends up missing another game, which is up in the air at this point. 
Right. Yeah. And then look, Richardson, it's only been two games, but already kind of shown a tendency to get banged up. So you don't love that for for Richardson, but Minshew definitely a very capable backup um, that could put up some fantasy points as well. So worth uh, taking a look at there in those deeper leagues. Again, just under 2% uh, roster shift so far on ESPN. But let's go to the running back position and we'll start with, um, okay, Devon Devon. A Chan, I believe. I just want to get that right since he made, I think, I hope that's right, God. Um, since yeah. he, tried, he made a point of us folks pronouncing it correctly after his big game, I guess he figured he'd be talked about this week for some reason. Um, but uh, yeah, so Devin A Chan, uh, of the Miami Dolphins is at the top of the list here, rostered in just 15.6% of ESPN leagues. We also got Roshan Johnson, who's at 33%. Justice Hill of the Baltimore Ravens at 32%, Zach Charbonnet at 41%. So we'll, we got a few more names on there, but we'll start with this top four here, Nate. Um, do you want to start with uh, HN? Uh, yeah, I think we have to after you score four touchdowns. I don't know how you can talk about anyone else to start with after a performance like that. Um, he just played so well against uh, Denver's defense, so it was great to see considering this start of his career and the injury that he had that kind of was a setback. I think it's uh, just going to be very interesting to see how Miami handles their running backs going forward since last season. Uh, we saw Raheem Mostert have a couple of really good weeks, but then we also saw Jeff Wilson have a couple of good weeks. We saw Chase Edmonds when he was on the team to start the season have a couple of good weeks. So Miami uh, didn't really have a problem switching from one, one running back being the lead guy to another throughout the season. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see that again this year since HN played so well, but Raheem Mostert also played very well, but he's also someone that uh, you probably want to preserve him for the playoffs a little bit too. So they're, I would expect them to use a rotation of running backs going forward. And Jeff Wilson, uh, eligible to come off injured reserve, uh, not this game, but the game after. And he ended last season as a starter above Raheem Mostert was playing uh, typically over 60% of offensive snaps those last three games. So they view Wilson very highly on this team, even though we just saw what Mostert could do when we saw what HN can do. So I think you have to pick up HN just because he has the potential to be a top 10 fantasy running back going forward if the Dolphins decide, hey, you're the starter, you're going to see 55 to 60% of offensive snaps. That might be all that he needs with how good this offensive has been playing in general. But um, I think he's definitely a gamble for someone to pick up, but a gamble that should be worth taking. Yeah, I'm with you. And and look, even if they don't make him like the de facto starter on that team, I, there could be opportunities similar to this pass game for him again. And I don't mean like 200 yards for touchdowns, obviously, but more so that he could see volume if the Dolphins are going to kind of have these dominant performance where they're blowing teams out, right? That offense is good enough to do it. And there might be opportunity for uh, a chance to, to get in some work in games that aren't close anymore, that they're just trying to run up, uh, run out the time. So there's that as well. But like you said, I think just hold him for the potential of being a starter is more important than anything here um roshan johnson justice hill zach charbonnet um any one of these guys that you want to talk about next i know we've talked about a couple already but anyone that uh, stands out to you um i think johnson probably the most of this group just because he continued to see his playing time increase this past week um i think out of all the guys uh, he's probably the one most likely to um, have the potential to be a top 20, top 15 fantasy running back at some point this season. 
just because he has the chance to surpass Khalil Herbert. They were using the two running backs pretty well interchangeably, both seeing significant playing time on early downs as well as seeing significant time on passing downs. So really, whichever of these two running backs is playing better should end up being the one who's seeing 60% of offensive snaps or 65% of offensive snaps. So F. Johnson, uh, he's continued to see increased playing time each and every week. So he's kind of on that path of getting to a point where he's a fantasy starter. Uh, The Bears offense also has to be playing better for him to get there probably. But um, I think with this week, there's not really many uh, clear top running back options. Luckily, there weren't really any major running back injuries this week. So that's probably why the waiver wire uh, beyond HN isn't all that appealing at this point. But I think if you are looking for an upgrade on your roster, if there's someone, especially on your bench, that you're ready to get rid of, uh, Johnson is probably the next guy that I would be looking to pick up. Nice. Yeah, and we're hoping for better days for that uh, Bears offense as well. I know it's it's still early. It hasn't looked good, but uh, we could potentially see um, some scoring opportunities, I would hope, at some point for, for Roshan Johnson and the Chicago Bears. Um, all right, we got four other running back names here. Matt Breida of the New York Giants, rostered in 26% of leagues. Tajay Spears of the Tennessee Titans, just under 16%. Sean Tucker of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, under 2%. And Melvin Gordon of the Baltimore Ravens at 1.2%. So, uh, Nate, probably start with Matt Breida here. We know Saquon Barkley dealing with a high ankle sprain. Not necessarily ruled out here for week four, but not sure if they'll be rushing him back or not. Uh, Yeah, he basically saw the role of Saquon Barkley last week, just didn't see nearly as many touches. It was against a very strong defense, so it's kind of understandable that they didn't rely too heavily on Breida in terms of getting him the ball. But I think this upcoming week against the Seattle Seahawks run defense, that should lead to a lot more opportunities by Breida if Saquon Barkley ends up missing another game. If Saquon Barkley is back and ready to go. Um, then Brita is obviously a lot less appealing of a fantasy option because he won't see much playing time with Barkley, but he should be the handcuff in New York, at least for the rest of the season. But uh, like I said, if Barkley misses another game, he potentially is a fantasy starter this upcoming week. Yeah, and hopefully we get some clarity on Saquon Barkley's status before the game, like a few days before, because they're playing on Monday night, so that makes it a little bit tricky if you don't have both Brita and Barkley, obviously, but definitely something to keep an eye on in the practice reports there this week. Um, how about the rest of these guys, Tajay Spears, Sean Tucker, Melvin Gordon, which one, uh, or which ones do you want to talk about here? I'll go with Gordon since a lot of the other guys, it's just a clear, here's a young running back who has the potential to see more playing time. I'll bunch of which we've talked about before. Um, Gordon is specifically here, similar reasons for Breida, because there is a chance that he will be the starter this week. Um, Justice Hill uh, missed last week with a foot injury. There's at least a chance he could miss another game. Uh, Gus Edwards suffered a concussion late in in this past game. So Gordon is the next man up. Uh, He took 13 of the 17 snaps, or he took, yeah, 17 snaps in the fourth quarter compared to just three by Drake. So, uh, Pretty clearly the guy for Baltimore, considering he's been there uh, throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, has been on the practice squad. So um, it's not the most likely scenario that both Hill and Edwards miss time in order for Gordon to be the starter. And even then, it's against the Cleveland Browns defense. So not a great matchup, but specifically for some of those deeper leagues where 
you might not have any other better options at running back. You might be stuck with players who are typically backups. So if you can get a player who's expected to see the majority of offensive snaps and touches out of the backfield, even if it's not a great matchup, sometimes those players are worth having on your roster. Yeah, not a great matchup this week going against that Browns defense, which has been amazing to start the year. But again, there's those deeper leagues, right, where we're going to find some use for guys like Melvin Gordon, who are just going to be out there by default and and hopefully produce on volume alone and maybe gets a few receptions in there, potentially sneaks in a goal line touch um, for a touchdown, something like that. But you don't have high hopes for him against Cleveland um, and that defense, but he still definitely could be of use, especially, like you said, with the the injuries to Justice Hill and, and Gus Edwards potentially playing a part um, heading into this week. So somebody to keep an eye on for deeper leagues for sure. Yeah, um, there's are, one league I'm in oh, where yeah. I'm starting like uh, two backup running backs all the time. I'm starting Tajay Spears every week. It's a 14-team dynasty league with deep benches. So if I had Melvin Gordon on my roster, I'd be excited. I know we don't talk about our own fantasy leagues too much, but we are in one league together. And I do want to mention that you have been kicked out of the undefeated club in that league after this past week. Oh, well, thank you very much uh, for pointing that out, Nate. Um, yes, I've been very disappointed to see my uh, my production this week. I'm a former champion in that league. I will say that as well. But yeah, it's been uh, not the best start that I had hoped for, even with the, the first two games. But here we are. <laughs> um, also right. a former champion, so it's good to see which people in that league are yeah. the fantasy analysts for PFF and which ones yeah, are no, the no, data no. collectors, even <laughs> though they're probably listening to this right now. I, uh, if you want to be part of the trash taco and win the league first and then we'll let you be involved yeah there we go perfect um all right let's do a quick uh ad break here for our friends at DraftKings. uh we're back with another week of football and DraftKings sportsbook is keeping us in on the nfl action with great offers every single game day new customers can bet five dollars and get two hundred dollars instantly in bonus bets throw down five uh, throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code PFF. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code PFF. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort licensee partner golden nugget lake charles louisiana 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.slash football for terms and eligibility and responsible gaming resources bonus best expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply all right Let's go on to the wide receivers. I'll do the first group of names here at the top. Tank Dell of the Houston Texans, still rostered in fewer than 23% of leagues on ESPN. Uh, Josh Palmer, a big one for the Los Angeles Chargers, rostered in just under 1% of ESPN leagues. Zay Jones of the Jacksonville Jaguars, rostered more heavily at 45%. And Romeo Dobbs of the Green Bay Packers at 27.2%. Um, and I'll throw Quentin Johnston in there for the Chargers as well. He's rostered in 47% of ESPN leagues, so much more rostered than Josh Palmer. Um, do you want to start with these Chargers guys first? Uh, sure, we can start with them. Uh, so we've had the news that Mike Williams will be out for the season with his leg injury. So that's disappointed to see for Williams, but we should see a lot more work by some of these other Chargers wide receivers because of that injury. 
Uh, Palmer had been the number three wide receiver throughout the season, playing in three wide receiver sets. Uh, now he will be the every down wide receiver, played 13 or 11 of 13 snaps after Williams' injury this past week. And some of that was just uh, plays where the wide receivers weren't on the field altogether. So expect Palmer to be the every down guy. We saw this last year with Keenan Allen was injured at times when Williams was injured at times. So I think Palmer is probably the Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver to pick up, especially in the short term. Um, it seems like they've been trying to ease Johnston into things rather than have him have a full-time role. He did start to see a little bit more playing time this week, but it was still only 12 of 51 snaps prior to the Williams injury. So um, it was clear that, yeah, they're getting him some playing time, but it's slow and steady at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if he's um, not just only the third wide receiver on this team, but also uh, rotating in and out a little bit, even in three wide receiver sets. So not someone that I would be looking to start anytime soon, but uh, he's someone that we just know he was a first round pick. We've seen a rookie wide receivers who didn't do much the first half of the season start to do a lot over the second half of the season. So now with Williams out of the way, there's a chance he becomes the top outside wide receiver on this team over the second half of the season. So if you pick him up, you're picking up for his long-term potential, where if you're picking Palmer up, you're picking him up more so for what he can do now. But there's also a chance that Johnston just doesn't end up working out at any point this season, in which case Palmer is going to be a potential fantasy starter over the course of the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. And and look, I, I know the first round draft capital is is attractive for a guy like Quentin Johnston to try to get him into your lineups, especially considering that offense there. But the Chargers have gone to Josh Palmer first. I think there's potential that that could stick at least for a few weeks here. Like you said, we might not see Johnston emerge until later in the year. So Josh Palmer at under 1% of roster ship right now on ESPN. Absolutely somebody that uh, we should be looking at on waiver wires this week, especially considering uh, the passing offense that he's in there in LA. Um, how about some of these other guys? We, we've talked about Tank Dell, but do you want to talk about him anymore? Because he had another big blow up week. Um, I think we need to, even though we've already talked about him a couple of times now, but uh, he just had a huge game in this one. So uh, two consecutive weeks where you would be happy if you had him in your fantasy starting lineup. I know he helped me survive in a guillotine league this past week. So uh, glad that I have Dell in some of my leagues already. But um, I think he has the chance to be the top outside wide receiver in Houston going forward. I know Nico Collins has also played very well so far to start this season, but they've had no problem rotating either of these players off the field at times. So uh, Dell, I think, has the talent to be that number one guy. So, um, yeah, there's a chance that we could see uh, Noah Brown come back and it become more of a rotation again with Robert Woods also currently playing in the slot, but could also start playing outside again more often, especially if they start trusting John Mechie a little bit more. But I think even with those a risk of potentially a little bit less playing time or things like that. I think Dell has too much talent of we're picking up Johnston because we're hoping he starts having performances like Dell is already having. So I'd much rather have the guy who is already putting it together and getting the playing time and getting the targets. Yeah. If you're the Texans, I don't know how you go away from tank Dell at this point. He's just been so good. I think he's earned that, that starting role, that volume role. And, and yeah, it just continues to be um, emerging. There as a nice star in uh, Houston for that wide receiver core. Um, 
how about the rest of these guys? We got uh, Josh Downs at 3%, Rashi Rice of the Kansas City Chiefs at 8%, DJ Chark of the Carolina Panthers, 43.5%, Calvin Austin, the third of the Pittsburgh Steelers at 1.5%, and Marvin Mims at the Denver Broncos at 8.6%. Anybody that you want to kind of focus on here from this group? Um, I think two guys that I'd like to touch on a little bit here. I think Zay Jones is an interesting one. Uh, he just missed last week with a knee injury. So he was getting dropped in a number of leagues as teams tried to pick up someone to help them specifically for week three. So I think uh, you should probably take a look to see if anyone dropped Jones in your league because he's definitely worth having a uh, wide receiver 26 last season. His target rate has been basically identical this season, even with Calvin Ridley on the roster. Um, he's just had a number of uh, passes thrown his way that were uncatchable, which is surprising considering Lawrence has been pretty incredible in terms of his accuracy so far this season. So I think Jones definitely has the potential to continue being a top 30 fantasy wide receiver, even with uh, Calvin Ridley lining up across from him. So I think the Jacksonville offense in general is going to be playing better this season. So Jones is definitely someone that I would be looking to pick up if he is available. Um, I think the other guy I'd like to touch on is Josh Downs of the Indianapolis Colts, just because I don't think we've really talked about him much either during draft season or these first couple weeks. Um, had eight receptions for 57 yards this past week. Uh, he's very consistently been playing between 75 and 80% of offensive snaps for Indianapolis. Uh, mentioned uh, at the start of the show, the Rams and the Bengals as the two teams that use 11 personnel most often. The Colts are the third team that use it most often. So Downs, even though he is only the slot receiver and not playing in two wide receiver sets, Indianapolis plays so much 11 personnel that it doesn't really matter. So expect Downs to continue to see a ton of playing time. Um, good to see him get this many targets this early in his career. I know it was with Gardner Minshew this week rather than Richardson, but he was seeing at least some targets these first two weeks of the season as well. So um, not someone that we've talked about a ton as the rookies that we're looking to pick up just in case they start doing more. But after he played this well in this game, even with Minshew rather than Richardson, I'm a bit more intrigued to see what he can do the rest of the season. And there's a chance that he can be uh, fantasy relevant down the stretch. Yeah, I'm super intrigued by Downs. I, I I love that he's you know shown this already, but the ability to to earn targets. I think yeah, 11 targets in this in this game that was tied with Michael Pittman brought in eight receptions as well. So he's outperforming even Alec Pierce, who is I guess technically the the number two wide receiver as far as snaps go on that team and, and playing time. But like you said, there's enough uh, volume out there for Josh Downs to be relevant and uh, nice to see at least early in his career. And I think he could can. can continue that with Anthony Richardson kind of coming back just working that middle of the field I think could be a, a nice option for Richardson uh, as he kind of acclimates to the NFL as well um anybody else on this list uh, we go we got a few other interesting names here at, at, from the wide receivers that that might be worth talking about um since we probably have to go every week talking about the Kansas City wide receivers at some point of time whether it's one or the other uh, Rishi Rice uh, did make this list after having a decent game. Uh, Richie James ended up on injured reserve with a knee injury. So um, hopefully James is able to recover just fine. But this did turn the Kansas City wide receiver group from a seven-man rotation to a six-man rotation. So a uh, step in the right direction for all of the other wide receivers. Um, Kadarius Toney uh, has a toe injury. Uh, it was uh, pretty up in the air whether or not he was going to play. He did end up making the active 
a roster, but he only played two offensive snaps. So uh, they tried it and it wasn't working out. So it became down to a five-man rotation. So uh, Rice was able to step up. Um, this was a blow up for Kansas City. So um, they didn't really need the passing game all that much. Uh, Patrick Mahomes did throw to Rice four times in this game, which was tied for the most among all of Kansas City's wide receivers. So it was good to see that Mahomes was trusting Rice in this game. Um, Rice's numbers were padded a little bit near the end of the game when Blaine Gabbert took over um, while they were mostly running the ball at that point in time. But uh, Rice was targeted another couple of times with Blaine Gabbert on the field. So um, just good to see him continue to get more targets and get more production in Kansas City's offense, especially as Sky Moore isn't doing a ton in the offense so far. Um, there's a chance that Rice ends up being the number one wide receiver in the offense at some point this season. So again, we're just trying to always chase whichever wide receiver will end up being Patrick Mahomes' favorite option. And it could be Sky Moore, it could be Kadarius Tony, but it also could be Rasheed Rice. And after this week, uh, definitely a ch- worth taking a chance on Rice, especially because he's a lot more available than the other two wide receivers as well. Yeah, just just kind of hoping for somebody to emerge there consistently, right? And 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 I think Rice has a decent shot. I think he's you know he fits well for that offense. He's still a rookie, so it's only three weeks in. I think we could see his role grow. And like you said, he, he's at least um, earned his way into the offense with some with some uh, targets and receptions early on here. So we'll see. Well, I know we're probably going to end up talking about the Chiefs wide receivers more as the weeks go on, but hopefully somebody can emerge as a consistent option here for fantasy purposes. Um, any other wide receivers you want to talk about, or should we move on to the tight ends? Um, I think we can move on to the tight ends. Sure. All right. So we got tight ends. We got Luke Musgrave at the top here of the Green Bay Packers, who's rostered in 13.4% of ESPN leagues. Chigo Conquo of the Tennessee Titans at 29%. Uh, Jake Ferguson of the Dallas Cowboys, 19%. And Kate Otten of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 2%. And another guy we talked about yesterday, Julian Hill of the Miami Dolphins, rostered in exactly 0.0% of ESPN leagues. Hopefully that changes. This will be a real test of the Nathan Yonke power here to see if we can get that number up uh, next week. So, Nate, where do you want to start uh, with the tight end groups here? Um, We'll start with Musgrave. It was good to see Sam Laporta finally get over 50% of ESPN leagues after all this time. It took way too long for him to get there, but he reached that point. Uh, Hunter Henry as well. I believe Zach Ertz is even above 50% now, even though now he's on the downward trend. So a lot of the tight ends we have been talking about are gone, but Musgrave, he's just been a top 10 fantasy tight end this season. He's seeing a lot more playing time than we've seen out of a Packers tight end in recent memory. So Um, He has the potential to be doing a lot, Uh, 16.9% of his, uh, he's been targeted on 16.9% of his routes. So it's a number that, yeah, we expect his targets to go down a little bit when Aaron Jones and Christian Watson are back, but I think 16.9% should be pretty sustainable for Musgrave. Mm -hmm. Um, His receiving grade hasn't been great so far this season. So I think there's also room for him to improve as a player. So I think this is just a case where, We're having a young tight end who is getting a ton of playing time. So he should have more opportunities along the way. He's top 10 and there's a lot of reasons to be excited about what he can do going forward as well. So I think he's pretty much the perfect player to stash and hoping that he has a good second half of the season when a lot of the other options that we were considered sleeper tight ends to start the season are now starting fantasy tight ends and on people's rosters. 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm a big Luke Luke Musgrave fan, and and I'm hoping that we see him kind of emerge a little bit more in the second half because he definitely has the talent and he's got the involvement in that offense to do so. And yeah, I, I think we'll see that number come up. Thirteen percent feels low right now, especially considering the tight end landscape. Um, any of these other tight ends uh, that you want to focus on this week? Um, I think Jake Ferguson's an interesting one since he has been putting up numbers so far this season, but his playing time isn't as high as we'd like to see. Uh, caught five passes for 48 yards this past week, which was fairly good. Um, the problem is that he's only running around on 61.7% of the pass plays. Peyton Hendershot is still playing significantly in 11 personnel. Um, so I'd like to see Ferguson get the, all of those 11 personnel snaps and if that happens i think he'd basically be fantasy starter he's been getting targeted at 27.4 percent of his pass routes so that is excellent for a tight end so i think um definitely needs to be on fantasy rosters at this point but as long as peyton hendershot is getting those snaps from 11 personnel at times a little worried about putting him in my fantasy starting lineup but i think all it takes is a slight change in how Dallas is running their personnel and Ferguson becomes a fantasy starter every week. Nice. I like that. Um, anybody else here? Do we, we, we want to give the listeners another reminder of who Julian Hill is in case they missed it yesterday um, since he isn't rostered by anybody at this point? Sure. So we'll talk about him again. The undrafted rookie tight end out of Campbell University. Uh, was injured for the first two weeks of the season where we saw Durham Smythe play 100% of snaps in week one, 97% of snaps in week two. So um, Hill made his debut and he played significantly in this game, Uh, played 30 of a 32 snaps in 11 personnel, uh, played in 12 personnel all the time and over half the snaps in 21 personnel. Uh, Smythe was still involved in the offense, was still playing in 12 personnel, was still playing at times in 21 personnel throughout the game. So it looks like Hill is the primary receiving tight end for Miami going forward. Um, Only saw one target in this game and did not catch that target. But I think this is a case where we saw Smite get up to like seven targets earlier this season. The defense is going to be entirely too focused on Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddell and all the running backs that they have that Hill is definitely going to go unnoticed in this offense. So I expect there to be some weeks where he's able to put up some big numbers. So if the Dolphins trust him enough to get him that involved, in, at least in terms of offensive playing time in his first NFL game, I'm at least interested to see what he can do going forward. And especially when there's a ton of teams with tight ends where we know exactly who they are, what they're capable of doing, and that we probably don't want to see them in our fantasy starting lineups. I'd be interested in having Hill over a number of starting tight ends on other teams. Yeah, just purely for the offense that he's in, right? It's a pass-heavy offense, explosive offense. There's volume. There's opportunity there. We, we want to target that over, like, even maybe a, a top tight end option on a bad offense that's at certain uncertain weeks, depending on the matchup, right? So um, Julian Hill, definitely a name to keep in mind here as we go forward. I'm sure he'll be on this list. I don't think he'll he'll jump up over 50% uh, next week, so we'll probably have to talk about him again. Um, but it uh, should get up over 0% at least uh, if you're listening to this episode. But Nate, any other uh, guys worth talking about here before we go on to a listener question? Um, just hopefully Chigazima Kunko starts seeing more targets and the Titans offense can start playing better so that Kunko can get more opportunities. But 
have you told me that this is if you told me like a month ago how much playing time he would definitely be seeing in Tennessee's offense I probably would have ranked him among the top eight or so fantasy tight ends but it just the offense hasn't been clicking he hasn't been seeing the targets so ideally he is able to at some point this season but I feel like he's probably going to end up on this waiver wire article for several weeks until that happens yeah, it's been the, the offense has been brutal so far, but uh, you know, this week we'll see. He's got a matchup against the Bengals. That t- Tyler Higby, I think, went five for seventy-one uh, last night against the Bengals. So maybe we'll, there's there's hope there at least for us Oconquo managers. Um, so just to, again, another guy to kind of keep in mind there because the talent is certainly there as well. Um, all right, we do have a listener question from the YouTube comments. And again, if you guys are, are listening on the YouTube or watching on the YouTube, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. That helps us uh, quite a bit. And we will answer uh, listener questions if you put them into our comments section as well. So this one comes from Anthony Garcia. And Anthony asked, for the rest of the season, would you rather have Jahan Dotson or Jackson Smith in Jigba? Nate, you've got your rest of season ranks that you do uh, every week. So where do these guys uh, line up for you on those ranks? I have Dotson a little bit higher. I know it's been a pretty disappointing start to the season for him so far. Um, Would have liked to see Washington's offense in general of clicking a little bit more with Sam Howell, but I trust that at some point this season, Washington's offense will start playing a little better. So um, Dotson at least has that potential to continue being a touchdown scoring machine where Jackson Smith Najigba really hasn't seen his role increase so far this season, still the third wide receiver in a team that likes to use a lot of two tight end sets. So I'm not sure how much his role will increase throughout the season. So I think while both of these guys are young wide receivers that have a lot of potential and a lot and could be fantasy starters for several years to come, specifically for the rest of this season, I think it's more likely that we see Jack Dotson end up being a fantasy starter than Jackson Smith and Jigba, unless there's an injury to one of Seattle's wide receivers at some point. Yeah, for sure. And 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 yeah, assuming no injuries, the role is just there for Dotson right now. So I, I'm with you on that one as well. And yeah, hopefully that Washington offense, you know, isn't throwing four interceptions and Sam Howell can get back on yeah. track <laughs> this next week. Uh, but that that's it, my friend. That's gonna do it for another waiver wire show here on the PFF Fantasy Podcast. I appreciate you doing this with me. Thank you to everyone for tuning in as well. Um, Nate, before you go, because the folks will miss you until the weekend start sit show on Twitter. Um, please remind them all that you have up on pff.com this week that they should check out to fill the nate void sure have my recaps from this past weekend along with the monday night recap already up i have waiver wires uh, that we just went through but if you want to read more about some of the players that we didn't end up talking about have information there have five to start or five to add five to drop five to buy low five to sell high that went up today and then my top 200 rest of season rankings that also went up We'll have my rankings for this upcoming week um, in our tools later today and article form tomorrow and then start set article that will go up on Thursday. Beautiful. Um, as for me, I'll be back tomorrow night recording the IDP weekly preview, then previewing the offensive side of the ball on Thursday with the great Kate Majuk. Um, I have the IDP fantasy report going up today, which will include all of the key IDP waiver wire targets. So be sure to check that out as well. Um, we'd really appreciate anyone kind enough to like and subscribe to the PFF fantasy YouTube channel as well. It means a lot to us. Thank you again for tuning in. Go dive into those waiver wires. And until next time, peace out.